18 of High Fantasy, because, like, this podcast is now legal, right? And uh, I'm just going to be upfront about this. It's basically going to be a ranting episode, because we wanted to talk about all sorts of things that people dislike enough that they eventually stop reading. But we're going to... It's going to rant, and we know it. But before that, how productive have we been? Because I, for one, have been very productive, actually. Look at her being all <laughs> smug and shit. She's all like, yeah. She looks like a bed bug in the office. Like, oh, she's like, look, it was a joke. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, have you two done anything? Yes. Um, I got a couple thousand more words into Reservations at 8. Uh, we've been working pretty hard on Andromeda's love, world building, that kind of stuff. And I've also, and this has been my main focus for the last week or so, I got the uh, preview copy of The Clockwork Dynasty from Daniel H. Wilson, who will be coming on the podcast in July. So I've been trying to push myself through that. I mean, it's really good so far, but I've been wanting to get it finished so I can get, this, get it sent to y'all so y'all can read it before he comes on. Because I don't think he'd appreciate me, like, cutting it apart and scanning it and emailing it to people. <laughs> I would like for this to happen again. So <laughs> Let's not piss off the best-selling author. Or get sued or whatever. So that's been... So that, uh, most of my free time has been reading. Um, it's a really easy read so far, but it's been really enjoyable. But that's been most of my time, especially the last seven days. I've just been reading and other things. Colin, I've done probably about two thousand words in my dwarf story. Oh wow, we're all making I've, progress. Yeah. I know. I haven't yeah. had time in the past couple of days, but I'll get back to it. Yeah, you should. Right? Promise. That's why we publicly shame ourselves. Yeah, uh, my, I mean, my I, urban. Fa- I won't lie. Like this weekend, I'm like, man, I really should read. I really should write. I'm just like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm just going to play Dota all weekend, so I played like 12 games of Dota this weekend. I mean, for some reason, the tiredness is not affecting me as much lately. Like, I don't know why, and if I could, like, bottle this phenomena and then make it a supplement and chug it all the time, I would. But uh, my life has gotten kind of weird. Like, I really need to be finding a job that will pay me to live, and... One day I went to an interview. It was a bait and switch, though. Not like an accounting job like they said it was. It was door-to-door sales. And I was so angry, I came home and continued world-building my urban fantasy. I don't know why. It was therapeutic. And I've just been doing it every day. And that's going rather well. Like, the plotting and everything is getting easier. Like, I know the things that need to happen in the story now. I just need to, like, do more of the details and figure out how magic works without copying Dresden Files. Fuck you, Colin. (laughs) Need to throw that out there, but we we just need to like that needs to be the hashtag on every like tweet. Fuck you, Colin. Hashtag fuck you. You're so mean to me. Uh, I mean, to be fair, it's trying to create an original story by saying the doom of Damocles is hanging over me. That was not helpful. But what if it is? I had to make the reference. But another, like, as I also take it as a sign of uh, success of this podcast is one of our listeners contacted me and offered to beta read my military sci-fi. And as he's been doing that, it's like, I have to write this now because it like is the best motivation I've ever gotten. And so I've also done several hundred words on that, and it's confusing. I don't know which one to work on anymore. <laughs> well, if anyone wants to beta read Andromeda's Love, let me know. We'll send you stuff. And it's 
Golden Girls in space, right? It's a, yeah, it's essentially the Golden Girls meets Firefly with some, yeah, with, with some like journey storytelling involved. Yeah, I mean, I got a beta reader out of this. Maybe he will, too. It's great. Thank you, Tyler. It's been wonderful. So let's get on to things that we're just going to rant about. What are the things that, ourselves included, people dislike enough that might make them just rant about a story or stop reading entirely? Words for the sake of words. Like, there's something like J.K. Rowling did that is why I quit reading, like, like we get it we get what you're trying to say shut up and move on and i just <laughs> it just pissed me off so bad that i had to quit reading and you know i don't mind wordy authors it's just how you use the words because like i don't mind ayn rand that much but i mean in, but she wrote a thousand page book you know and so she and she's a very wordy author but the words have more purpose than jk rowling's uh, so I was just like, oh. even like, even in just descriptions, like Rowling's like describes brown in like five different ways. Like we get it. It's fucking brown. Shut up and move on. At least her descriptions make sense. Unlike that high fantasy thing that we tore apart of like describing <laughs> a girl's hair as the color of a leopard's tongue. Oh. <laughs> her elbows are like highways. But- but see, the thing is, like, if you use something really obscure like that, you know, you can kind of get away with it because even to the writer, it's so indescribable. Maybe that's why you use, like, really weird analogies to, to like, I'm doing the best I can here, guys. And Steven he also Erickson. used the word pubes. Pubes. Just, Her pubes he were a field of wheat. Ugh. Oh, my God. Her hair was brown, but her pubes are blonde. I'm confused. Didn't think it usually goes that way. Erickson has the habit of like, like each book tends to have a word that gets overused. Like he just, that was his word for the book. And like, uh, in the second book, Deadhouse Gates takes place on the desert continent. Everything he starts describing symbols as like ochre color. Mm. And then everything red is ochre. Like, he, he just he doesn't describe a red anything anymore. It's just that's the word for red in this book. Uh, and I it's thought like, ochre was more of like a golden brown color. Well, dusty brown, yeah. So it's not even red. No, no, it's reddish brown. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, like he just everything is described as that instead of a different word for a color. Yeah, that's not good. Ellie Modisett had it that problem. Out. I don't remember what the book was called, but. He loved the word nylon, meaning black. And you could see like about 10 times per page, he'd use this word. And in a completely separate book and series, that was the main character's name with nylon. And his hair is white, which is weird. But it's just like the dude had a <laughs> fetish of that particular word. Yeah. I, yeah. If you get too repetitive, that, I mean, that's probably my biggest thing is like just getting too repetitive. Like we got it. You're just adding this for length because you were at 90,000 words and your publisher told you 100,000. So you're just shoving shit in here. Stop it and call it a night or something. I mean, usually I thought the the thing is that you turn it in and publisher or editor says cut out 20,000 words. So 
that's an easy way of doing it, right? Well, some of us don't have the issue of overriding. <laughs> we struggle to get to that word limit. I mean, sure. I don't know. I just I kind of thought that's the way it usually goes with the publishers and editors. They want you to like make it a tighter story and better pacing by just forcing you to cut out a certain amount of it. Which what I think most people do is they cut out entire scenes that they realize are redundant. But what George R. R. Martin does instead <laughs> is going through every single sentence and pulling out a word that he thinks is redundant. And he doesn't cut out any scenes. And that was why I stopped reading him, because he had too many scenes that did nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, there's a lot of elements to those stories that just don't relate to the story. Like, we did not, not need half the scenes. I mean, Brienne is a really cool character, but once she gets away from Jamie and she's just traveling, which is another problem I have with... I, Everybody's I, traveling. Travel is boring. Okay? You gotta make it exciting. Make there, like, enough... Something else that's happening, but she's just traveling and she's talking to people. She's asking the same three questions to every single person that she meets. And just traveling. It's just like, that was... Like, it was in chapter four of Brienne in the fourth book or something. Like, I, I can't do it anymore. I quit. I actually Colin enjoyed, tell me that happened. I enjoyed her trip with Nimble Dick on our second read through, but it really doesn't serve much of a point. Just get to where you're going. Yeah. And unfortunately, like Danny's storyline doesn't look like it's going to have anything exciting. Like it slowed down to a crawl and then leaves on a cliffhanger that's just like, oh dear God, please let her die. I mean, she was doing a lot of things. Like, she was going to conquer and everything. She's going to go to Westeros. And then she says, no, I'm going to stay here and, and rule here. Which is a direct, like, deviation from the storyline that's been built up for her so far. And, and that stalled the story in a major way. And then it's just about her having sex with What's-His-Face. Oh, Dario. Yeah. I mean, who and wouldn't want to have sex with What's-His-Face? Right. I mean, sex is another topic that people got onto. That's like, I can't read this because it's too graphic of sex. And I mean, George R. R. Martin's uh, sex scenes can get a little weird sometimes. But I thought his sex scenes were fine. I was just tired of reading about Danny having sex with the same dude and doing nothing else. Well, you got to be, you know, thorough, right? I mean, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It just, she should probably be pregnant by this point. Yeah, it's interesting that she hasn't been. It, she keeps saying things like her dragons are the only children she will have. It's oh, like, wait. How can you fucking prove that? Cause, I forgot about that whole part. Well, she says that, but I don't know. Barren. But did the, she's fucking 15. Well, the whole magic witch thing is supposed to have left her barren. I don't remember that being like decisively said, I kind of took it as Danny being dramatic. Well, the witch told her she'd never conceive again until some the sun sets in the east or whatever. I thought that was just about Drogo. Like, Drogo will never be normal until the sun sets in the west. East. East. But she was, she'll never carry a baby either. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I just thought it was I thought it was just Danny being dramatic and maybe Martin should have emphasized the witch's effects a little bit more. Also, that kind of, you know, undermines her entire claim to a throne if she's no longer capable of producing heirs. 
Yeah. Maybe you're not the right person to take over and leave this country if you're going to die and leave nobody there. Mm-hmm. Although she does have, like, what, a brother that she doesn't know about? <laughs> that no one knows about. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> that no one knew about until book five? That's another then, thing. That's another uh, thing George R. R. Martin does. By book four, I, well, I should throw Malazan in that list too, but by book three, but book four, especially by book five, you really need to have set the stage at this point. Don't start dropping brand new things into it all the time. Like new characters you make out of nowhere. Yeah. And Malazan, book five, was a whole new continent away from everything you knew before with one character you've heard of before. Heard of, but not met? Well, sorry, you met. Okay. Book five is him telling his story to the character in book four that he's with, basically. But then everyone goes to that spot, so it's important to know what's going on. But you're really pushing the boundaries of how much to start introducing to a series. Yeah, and then, I don't whole Game of Thrones series, it got so bloated that he had to split up book four and five between a cast of characters. So you just don't see some characters in one book or the other because they're just in the wrong places or something. But then he didn't even do it by continent. Supposedly and, it was continent, but... But not entirely, right? Like, Tyrion is in the wrong book for that continent, I think. It explains and then so much. He has to figure out, like, he, he went forward in time to the point he has to go backwards because he just ignored half the people. Yeah. That was badly done. And it explains why you start getting so many other random character points of view. He just needed more characters to fill his book because he cut out the main ones from different books. So why didn't he just write the core book in the first place? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Like, did we really need the Okart there and his lovely description of giant brown nipples. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he survived long anyway, so like, why was he there? He had like three, oh, and, oh god, Quentin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had like four, he has four chapters and then he just dies. Yeah, it's just, I guess it's very realistic to have characters who just die because people just die in a, a we, world as violent as that. Yes, but, we didn't need his point of view. Yeah, our us as readers, we get strung along, and then we feel like the wasted investment, and we get angry. Wouldn't it have been just as easy for Danny to see this Dornish prince show up, not like him? He goes and dies, and you're like, well, that sucked. Yeah. If we need four chapters of him traveling there. Uh, <laughs> <hate> traveling. <laughs> travel can be done interestingly. I'm sure I've read books that had a bunch of travel that was done interestingly. Like, they did important plot points on the way, but it just, if it takes up too much of the story, it's just bogging down the pacing. That's essentially like Lord of the Rings, right? It's just all travel. I have not read most... Lord of the Rings. That's that right. You're an uncultured swine. Too. That's right. Lord of the Rings is good. It is good. Eh. Wheel of Time does a lot of traveling, too. I read one book of Wheel of Time, and it was entirely travel, and I knew it was going to continue being travel. So it just, yep, the whole nah, series I mean, is travel. Don't need to get the second book. <laughs> but, I mean, there's so other reasons to have When you say travel, you mean like actually traveling, not like that, like hitting different destinations, but the in between destinations? 
It's right. the in-between that gets to me. Right, yeah. That that can be pretty boring unless you're using that time to like educate about where you're going. Like, hey, we're gonna yeah. have a we're gonna have a talk here about this new planet we're going to. Mm-hmm. And we're feeling backstory, useful, you know. Then it's good. But a lot of it is just and then I did this thing and then I went and found food there and then I kept walking and walking and walking. It's the entire reason I stopped reading what was that Robin Hobb book? Book three. Oh god, it's Athens Quest. Yes, that one. Yes. For a series that I liked so much going into that last book, that was a slog and a half that I have never dealt with before. Book two was amazing. Book two is fantastic. But but book three, it's so slow. Like, okay, he's recovering after book two. That's very necessary. And he has this point of like, all right. It's very old. (laughs) But if you read the description of book three, they directly spoil book two. So I'm trying to avoid that. But I mean, okay, he's recovering. And then he says, I'm going to leave in the morning and go do my quest. And then six weeks later, he realizes that he's been fucking around doing nothing. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to go walking. And then I'm going to go walking. And I'm going to meet this person. And I meet that person. Go walking. And I'm going to play with my puppy. Did you finish the book? No. There was one scene when he's on his way to find Verity where they're on like a mountain road and the road is covered in a landslide. And it's like 30 pages of the effort it took them to get across the spot because if they just try to walk through it, they'll cause the whole thing to fall down and pull them with them. Mm-hmm. But it's 30 pages or so. That's on the Kindle, so I don't know how long of them just getting 20 feet down the road. And then another 100 pages before they get to the end of the road. Yeah. And then they finally get to the end of the road and they don't know what to do. And they just sit there for like another chapter or two <laughs> trying to figure out what to do. And then like the last chapter of the book, they figure out what to do, do it, go, and done. It's like, <laughs> it was okay. so long. Rick and Morty said it best when they're going down like 600 oversized steps. And, and Rick is saying things like, oh, yeah, this is a wonderful story adventure. And Morty's just like, no, if this was a story, this part wouldn't be included. <laughs> okay. I need Another to read the thing. rest of the series. Another thing that I got kind of annoyed with in this Robin Hobb series was he keeps getting dogs and then they keep dying. Oh, poor puppies. Can't kill the puppies. It's, it's just like, okay, I get it. He had a really, like, the first one died. That was terrible. And then he gets a second one. It's like, oh, come on. You're not going to just kill it. But she did. And it died. <laughs> and then he gets a third one. And the third one at least sticks around for a book or two or ten. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm pretty sure he also dies at some point. There's a lot she does well, though, but that's not the topic of this. Yeah, right. I don't, yeah, I don't just... want to insult Robin Hobb too much. She does fight very well. She is really good. Like, Fitz in the pool are fantastic was amazing. Characters. Fitz is amazing. And yeah, like I've read books of her set. They're absolutely wonderful. But, you know, this is the ranting episode. That book was like one of those situations where you think, why didn't the editor just tell her to cut 50,000 words out of that thing? Especially since it was like 30,000 words longer than it book two. It was significantly longer than book two. Yeah, it's just... Ah. Okay, let's move on to a slightly different topic, though. Let's talk about, like, say, characters that were annoying enough that we, like, just have to rant about it or maybe made us stop reading. Like, a lot of people really hate Mary Sue's, and then they start arguing about who's a Mary Sue and who's not. 
but not a Mary Sue, but um, animator Rake and Malzen. Until you get to know him, like the the first introduction of him is just like he is a walking edge lord, like <laughs> emo darkness, like everything about him is just dark and. I mean, just listen to his name, Anomander Rake. The Lord, the Son of Darkness. That's what it means. No, but that's his title. Oh. <laughs> now, like they're actually literally born of the realm of darkness, which is not like em- they're very emo. And oh my, like until you really actually meet him and see he's got personality and wit and whatnot, he's just a very weird introduction to a character. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like does does he like anime? Does Erickson like anime? Because it sounds like an anime guy. It does sound like an anime guy. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get irritated with anime a lot of times. Like, oh, looky, <laughs> another Edgelord sob story. I get tired of sob stories, <laughs> and yet they're so useful. Like, if my urban fantasy thing is like I have the character being an orphan, which everyone's a fucking Dresden. orphan. I'm if she had parents, like, the entire fundamental nature of the story just changes. I know, that's my problem. <laughs> it's just so much easier not to have parents. It, exactly. Yeah, I, just, I mean, like, I don't... not having parents is one of the really easy go-tos for a tragic story. No parents, yeah. husband, wife, lover dies, uh, ch- child dies. It, it makes you, okay, I have to go get revenge now, right? And it's, it's an easy story. Just like noir and case files are fucking Dresden, <laughs> god damn it. But <laughs> So essentially it's I mean, Dres Batman Dresden is what you're adding. No. No, because she's broke. She's broker than Dresden is. Well yeah, but it's still Batman. Like, gotta get a Batman re- is only a super person because of his obscene amounts of money. Oh yes, but his his motivations are must re- avenge my dead parents. No, actually, that's not her thing. I just like that's eventually going to be a thing. It's just not her big shtick. It's just, yeah. oh, I mean, it's so much of it changes if I have her parents living or not, like brutally murdered or something. It's like I don't I, like if she I'm just annoyed. goes home to a happy household every night. Then it's like, yeah. well, that's not fun. Exactly. <laughs> so sob stories get really annoying when they get over the top. Like uh, the the classic thing, the girlfriend in the refrigerator. It's the trope namer of was it Spider Man or something? His girlfriend was murdered and shoved in a refrigerator. She only exists to give him a backstory that's terrible, and he goes after revenge. I only had Spider Man, but uh... I haven't read the actual thing. I just know of the trope because people yell about it. It's like, but I I don't know how to avoid her being an orphan because it's so easy. So here's your lesson, kitties. Just kill a loved one and you've got a nice backstory, just pre-made. <laughs> What's this yeah. person's motivation? Hate and revenge. There you go. Isn't uh, isn't that like the core thing of the Punisher? Didn't like his wife and kid die and then Yeah. And then Punisher, Batman, Spider Man lost Uncle Ben and Right. So it, well his parents Luke. were never around. But he caused his uncle to die. Then that was more the motivation. It was his fault that his uncle died in Spider-Man. Oh. I don't know enough about Spider-Man. I just know, like, somebody dies and then someone goes off and does something heroic, like Luke Skywalker. It's just... Hopefully yeah. Harry Potter and his central orphanage being, like, the defining <laughs> characteristic of him. Yeah. You're an orphan, Harry. 
<laughs> that's all. Like that's his entire point. Yeah, and uh, then he like, he's still raised in a family, but the family that treats him like shit. So it's like you could always give your thing. main. You, you could always give your main person like very terrible family. She could also just have moved. Her but, parents could live in New York City, and she just doesn't keep in touch with them. They're out of the picture. You don't need to have her be an orphan. But that kind of changes how her connection is to things. True. Like, if I have them knowledgeable about the situations, then she gets into a dangerous situation. Why would they have let her go? Because she's an adult and can do what she wants. I guess, but it's just it kind of changes a lot of it. You can call them on the cell phone every night. Tell them she's okay. <laughs> I mean, it, at the same point, I killed her parents off, but I gave her like surrogate parents. It's like, what am I actually doing here? I don't know. Let's rant about Kvoth, because he's a Mary Sue, right? <laughs> Who? <laughs> the most Name of the wonderful wind. musician, most talented magician. And then handsome. he's like the best fucker around, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Does he win the gold medal in limbo and sex? He does so. get. I mean, he goes off to have sex with the goddess of sex for a little while because he's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, I that wasn't as terrible as other people were saying. But, but just the fact that it happened. I guess. I mean, so he starts off as uh, he has a happy family, and then they're brutally murdered. Murder. And then. He, <laughs> and then he kind of has to figure out, he's got to figure out what the hell killed them. And he has a lute and he just starts playing it. And he's amazing at being a musician. And that kind of carries him forward. He goes to university and he's like suddenly the best at everything magical, even though people hate him because he's poor, I think it was. And then, yeah. He he has the talent to make lots of money very easily. He just doesn't do it. Like all the little things he can make that, Get decent money. Just make more of them so you have money. Well, he does eventually. And in the beginning, it's hard because he didn't have like the know-how or the, mm. the startup money in order to do it. True. And that was a nice like challenge. At like, the end of book two, though, it's like he has tons of money. He has a bunch of success. And he's also sleeping with every girl ever. Except for the girl that he wants to sleep with. J.K. Rowling also threw like tons of gold at Harry Potter for some reason. Yeah, he's just but- like, here you go. He's rich. I thought that was well done because, like, he was rich and he felt bad that Ron wasn't. And the family that he loved the most didn't have enough. And he felt guilty about it. I thought that I liked that part. Still, but he went from, it's just like, still a convenient plot point that. Yeah, he went from nothing hey, to wizard. everything in, like, <laughs> two and a half pages. You're a wizard. You get to leave your terrible family. Oh, yeah. You're also, also you're rich. motherfucking rich. <laughs> yeah. Woo! And very talented at everything. Oh, Except girls. No, he, he's a fuck Except. up at several things. It, he was he was talented at defense against the dark arts and terrible at. True, but he's also extremely good at things. flying a broomstick, even though he's never used one before. Well, that's because uh, awesomeness is hereditary, right? <laughs> Which sometimes I think is a fun thing, and sometimes it's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if Dresden was awesome because of his mother, which we kind of see is true, but maybe it wasn't fully inherited. Also, he's starborn for some, like... Which yeah, still don't know what that is. That's clearly right her fault, I think. I don't know. I 
I have an entire podcast to talk about the conspiracies <laughs> of that, and we have been having a lot of fun. But there's like a lot of stories try to avoid Mary Sue's, or sorry, like they try to establish that this character is not the best at everything, mm-hmm. so that they're not just the best at everything. But then by the time the story's over, they're the best at everything. I think as one big flaw is that people try to give their characters flaws and they do them terribly. Like, you have a character and she's wonderful at everything, but you need to give her a flaw so sometimes she's just really angry. And the way it's shown in the story is that she'll get angry at the stupidest shit and make more problems. Instead of fixing the problems or doing it badly, she's just making more problems because she's a dumbass. Like, uh, I think it was what Bad to the Bone or Magic to the Bone. I've already ranted about it on this podcast. Like, <laughs> she it's after some sort of big battle and she's like really hurt. Her boyfriend comes up and protects her and goes like, okay, stay in this circle to be safe. And then she says, no, I'm a woman that stands on my own and I'm not going to depend on no man. And she leaves the circle and gets fucked up again. Ugh. Ran down for and uh, we'll, sorry if you want to finish that thought. Well, the reason I actually stopped reading that book is because she was just really dumb entirely. Like she didn't have enough money for rent, but she wasted five dollars, her last five dollars, on Starbucks coffee. And yes, this took place in Portland. <laughs> oh <And> my god! <laughs> the reason that she didn't have enough money is because she didn't ask her daddy for more money, because her daddy was rich and powerful, and she hated was him. This for Ivanka? Reason. No. It's just, um, what? Um, so she's broke, even though her brother's rich. Yeah. And like, she spends her last money on the most expensive coffee you can buy. Yeah. Oh. I was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't handle that character. And I stopped, <laughs> but my mom kept reading, and then she told me about how dumb it was afterwards. Like, I'm so glad I stopped because I had to throw the book across the room if I read that. I don't depend on no men. I'm going to leave the oh safety God. circle. It's terrible. Yeah. So. Like, uh, but I, mean, I mean, if that's the kind of, pe- I mean, I guess part of it is who you're writing to, you know, because what if that's what your, your readers want is that super independent woman, you know? An independent woman isn't the same thing as a dumb bitch who's going to get herself into worse trouble. Depends on the, <laughs> it depends on like, the matter perspective, right? Mercy Thompson is an independent woman. She has her own business. She does not depend on her boyfriend for financial things. Anything that just happily in love together. They might have married at this point. I don't know. And she doesn't depend on any of her friends, but she does protect them. And she like she has her own independent life. And, and she has like a, a real life with like income and stability. And she owns her own house and several cars because she's a mechanic and she's going to fix them up. That was an independent person. Whatever that character was in Magic to the Bone or something was not. <laughs> like they, um, in Wheel of Time, Rand, the main character, his like big weakness, in a way, is that he can't let women fight his fights and die for him. So like he's got a growing list in his mind of every woman who's ever died in his name. What about the men? He doesn't care. <laughs> like he... But then, like, it leads him to do really dumb things because he won't let other people do things because he doesn't want them to get killed. I I mean, it's appropriate. It's just also 
feels very obvious that you're using this to set up bad situations. Sort of. I think that was, I mean, I think that's a flaw that can really work. Um, like, I think the same thing happened in Dresden. Uh, for example, Turncoat, when he hasn't been telling the Alpha, Alphas, the werewolves, uh, what was going on and the skinwalker, and then one of them died and the other one was really fucked up. And then they demand, like, we have to know now because we're really in the middle of this and you can't deny that anymore. And so he tells them everything, even though he feels terrible that they're going to get themselves into worse trouble if they know more. Because they're like two good players who really shouldn't be getting well, involved in these things. Well, they're they're getting a lot better, which is really True. cool. It's just like what Dresden tries to do is shield people from it. And he he did that with Murphy, too, until he finally gave up and like he told oh, her everything her and killed. then the relationship it, got better. She became more badass. That's sort of the 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 ongoing thing is Harry tries to protect people. They almost get killed. So he has to tell them. And if he had just told them in the first place, they probably wouldn't have almost died. Yeah. Like if you tell someone the consequences of doing something and why, then they'll be able to make an informed decision and maybe they won't be a dumbass. But if you don't tell them that something really dangerous, if they go do something and, oh, just trust me, they're not going to believe you. I mean, it's very much a, um, a sitcom type trope where like, (laughs) 95% of things in sitcoms could be avoided if people just told the truth and weren't terrible to each other. Yeah, There's so many times I could have been avoided in Dresden where he's just like, if he had just told the truth, no one would have gotten hurt. (laughs) That's my favorite thing with the end of Seinfeld, how they just march every character across the screen that, like, they've been dicks to people for a long time. Just don't, like, don't forget that, like. They're just assholes to a lot of people. Yeah. And so that that flaw of Rand is very believable, but it is uh, believable. it's, it's it... inconsistent since he doesn't care about the men. <laughs> Not necessarily. I mean It's the women that bother him. If he really if he really likes women, it makes sense. He marries three people. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard funny stories like that. Like maybe Jordan's I mean, wife didn't really like that aspect of the series. I uh I mean I would feel much worse if a woman got hurt because of me than like a dude. Well, sort of. Because uh, a woman or any form of like innocent bystander, yeah, feel terrible. But I know that there's like a group of warrior women in World Wheel of Time and they're probably half the ones that are dying for Rand. So if they're warriors, if they're soldiers, that's their problem. Right, but I mean I'm just saying personally. Like it's it's one thing if that's like their job, you know. Mm-hmm. I like there's a scene in um I want to say it's Path of Daggers where Rand sends one of his Ashaman henchmen to go get something. And you know, oh, there's a bunch of wards on it. Here's some like you got to here's how you get around them. And he just like forgets to mention a couple of them and the guy almost gets himself Oh, well, yeah, thanks for bringing it. It's like, no one's got this guy killed because you didn't bother to tell him the whole story. And you're like, not even care, but some woman very vaguely associated with you gets killed and you're just going to remember her for the rest of your life. But how many of the women who died for him were Aes Sedai? Well, there's a lot of the, uh, um, what are their names? Ail, Hedy. Ail, I don't remember exactly what their names were, but like the warrior women, Amazons. Yeah, Amazons. Ail, I think. Okay. They get killed for him fairly often. Yeah, because they're warriors. Warriors, and, and that's what they do. Yeah, so he shouldn't be upset about that one. 
Like, oh, mm. whenever y'all bring up warriors, all I can hear is Dwight. We are warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I mean, I would say soldiers, except they're much more like primitive and Amazon feeling. So whatever. I have a bunch of soldiers, and now I have to start killing them. By the way, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> Murder Thanks. all the people. Well, I haven't actually killed the character yet, so this is gonna be weird. But I need to start. <laughs> hmm. Um. Yeah. Do you have any other like? Oh, okay. More characters that we can rant about is just unbelievable bad guys, like the ones that are like, oh, I got to destroy the world because something. They don't have detailed motivations. Yeah, that, that was like uh, in the first Hellboy movie. That was kind of like, we're gonna bring the end of the universe. Why? Because we are. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty much the long and the short of it. Yeah. And... I just, I get... ah, bad. Badly done bad guys can just be a really prob- big problem. Well, and the and, well, the other issue is is the bad guy bad enough, right? Then that's something that bothers me. And this is very apparent in like the well, all the Iron Man movies is uh, the bad guy never lives up to the destructive force of Tony Stark on himself. But they paint it as a you know him versus somebody else when it really should be painted as him versus himself. And so a lot of times the bad guy there will just fall flat. And you see it a lot in writing where, you know, cause people want the, the trouble. They want the, the guy with flaws and all that bullshit. But then they're, but then you could overpower the person to destroy themselves. That's a thing that just bothered me when the person is more apt to destroy themselves than other people are. Yeah. Um, I, there's something that, like I really hated about Avengers was that okay, New York City is gonna get destroyed, but for some reason I just don't care. But like say Deadpool, what I loved about it is that it was his girlfriend. It wasn't or just statistics to me. It was his girlfriend. It was very personal. That's why changes worked. It's because it was his little girl. And that's why it was important, not just the masses amount of people that you can't put a face to. And I think that's like the the bad guys and the plots should get more personal. Well, well, yeah. Well, generally, personal is smaller, you know. Like, it, mm-hmm. so, that's okay. Well, but it does create different issues, right? So, like, do you want this big? It's hard to have this big galactic story and a very personal villain. Maybe you shouldn't have the big galactic story. Well, I fucking I'm hate just, Marvel. <laughs> no, I wasn't talking about Marvel. I'm just saying in general, you know, just like, like that, I have this problem with any of the, the large cinematic universes that they're doing. It's like, okay, there's like the Thor and the Iron Man and the Captain America and in their individual movies, maybe their plots are more personal, which I didn't, I don't care about any of them. Really. I don't like well, the like, comic books, but when you, the, you try to get them all together and like, oh yeah, it's going to be one big badass cast and nothing's personal because you can't make it personal to all of those people. Well, that's one reason I really liked uh, Ant-Man because it was a very small cast. It was about his, you know, girl and you know, it was a, just a very small thing. 
I haven't seen that one. And, and uh, I noticed the puns. It's very small. <laughs> Ant Man. But... You can't. You can't admit. Like I try so hard not to make those puns, but I always end up making those puns because there's just no way around it. Yeah, I just. Ah, Has I, have you ever quit reading a story because a character did something you hated so much? You're like, "Fuck this!" and throw it away. I almost want to say I did that with Sword of Truth, but mostly it's just because it was so unbelievable at the end, or at least the, the end of the book that I read. And yet, it was really disgusting up until some various things. Like, so the book that I read that was last was uh, for me it was Faith of the Fallen, which is book five. And at the end of book four, there was like this big democratic vote of whether Richard was going to save a country, a particular country that hadn't really been important before. But they all voted against him. And he said, OK, I'm just going to let you get, deal with what you asked for. And he leaves them to get utterly slaughtered and destroyed. He goes away into the mountains. And then in book five, uh, he's leaving all of the problems that he caused for other people to deal with. And I dislike that. And then some witch comes, gets him and binds herself to his wife. So anything that happens to her happens to his wife. That's which, not fair. Right. So like he couldn't do anything to her and kill her because obviously it hurts Kaylin. And uh, he has to go with the witch. Her name is Nikki. And they went to like this center of the anti-communist, shit that he built because everything is so communist it's terrible like which i know do. communism has its problems but it's like my god that was over the top <laughs> like they detailed things that, like there are statues of people ripping their eyes out after they saw something that was perfection and everyone is like so giving for other people that they're miserable and, and at one point nikki was wanting to get a reaction out of richard so she walked up to a thug and said i want to have sex with you and she knew it was going to be absolutely brutal. And Richard didn't do anything to stop her. He said, you're only hurting yourself, even though he knows that the damage that is being done to Nikki by that thug is also happening to his wife. And I just like, how can you not care? How can you not like do anything to stop what's happening to someone you love? Well, but he didn't like, that's how like a mark of how wonderful a person he was is that he just, let Nikki do her own thing and not caring that it was going to affect his wife. So he was a terrible, yeah. terrible person. Right. But everything that happens in that series is like building up of how important and wonderful and awesome Richard is, which is just one of the things <laughs> uh, really sickening. <laughs> and the end of that uh, book was Richard made a statue of a man and a woman standing tall and being proud, and oh, by the way, he's a master sculptor, which that never happened before that book. <laughs> Fucking Mary Sue. And it says something like, your life is your own, you don't owe it to anyone, at the bottom of it. And everyone's like, oh, communism is bad, and everyone's wonderful, and now they're all giving to each other and happy, and, and it's just, like, amazing. He built a fucking statue. <laughs> what, what is this? This is Faith of the Fallen, from the Sword of Truth series. Oh. And I, all right, I'm done. I can't do that. <laughs> Part of it was because Richard was just a terrible person. So I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He defeated communism with a 
Got you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but preaching is something that's not good in books. Yeah, I was actually oh. that's something I wanted to get on is when you can tell that like the author is just beating you down with his ideology. Granted, I know that's some reason one reason people write, and that's okay with me. But like Ayn Rand, more anti-communist bullshit. Uh. But like the um That's why she wrote those books. Yes. Don't uh, start a fantasy series and then start rabbiting you with Like there is morality. this bit in Ready Player One that he just keeps harping on you know, basically why anyone who doesn't believe why what he believes is stupid. I'm just like <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> and yeah. So I always skip that that piece. I, mm, yeah, Terry Good kind of did that a lot, and he also just didn't seem to care about how the reactions that Richard actually caused are bad things. It's like, no, no, he's awesome because he's the chosen one, which is just another trope, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, there's another thing. Not bad. There, there's a, a thing that happened in, I think, book two or three. I, I don't know. It's like the blood of the temple or whatever like that. Blood of the fold. Or Temple of the Winds. It was one of those two. Uh, but uh, Kaylin did something, his wife did something that was like kind of a betrayal to him, even though it wasn't. And, and I don't know, he was mad at her, even though he was in the wrong. And he just like secluded himself away in a magical place. And then he realized that, oh, he fucked up too. So he needed to get out. But there was like a curse on him that like there was going to be a plague if he left. So and he was not going to only kill him, but kill everybody else too. And he leaves anyway. And he has these three words written down on his hand. He goes to Kaylin. He says he's sorry. And then as he's dying, she reads the words on his hand, and this like released the chimes. It said it was like the chimes were these things that kill magic or magic people. And so it dispelled the curse that was on Richard, but it like started this after effects of destroying magic everywhere, and it was a bad thing. And Kaylin is the one who's at fault for that. She made the mistake of saying those words, even though he had it written on his fucking hand for her to do that. It's Kaylin's fault, not Richard's. Uh, apparently, Terry Goodkind is a uh, strong proponent of Ayn Rand. Oh, yeah, that was obvious. Yeah. <laughs> he also has made statements that he doesn't write fantasy. He writes real human stories. He's got dragons in there somewhere, I think. <laughs> Just get over yourself. It's just one of those moments where you're just like, dude, come on. And this is a little mean, but if you've seen a picture of him, it's a little funny, like totally trying to be an edgelord. Like he has like the ponytail and like a beard and his hair is a very pale orange, but he has like badass sunglasses and the crossed arms stature. Well, if you look at me, it looks like I'm trying to be, you know, in Sons of Anarchy, but that's just because I have a beard and I can't grow hair anymore. Yeah, you don't wear like the the sunglasses and the stature of like for your promotional picture of trying to look like a badass edgelord. <laughs> it's just like I don't want to think about Terry Goodkind anymore, but I kind of do because I rant about it. Uh. That's why it's the ranting episode. Yeah, right. Sorry, everyone. Uh, so this, <laughs> is this is fun for you too. Not necessarily <laughs> a. Uh, Oh, what am I thinking? It's not necessarily a book thing, but if there's a bad reader for an audiobook, which I listen to quite a bit, I'm out. Like, ten minutes in, I'm done. 
Like, no matter how good the story is supposed to be, if that reader is bad, I'm out. Yeah. I've also, done try to, if you have different readers in a series, try to keep the pronunciation on things the same. Because I noticed that with, I think it was um, the Knight of Knives, which is Ian Essamont's, one of his uh, Malazan books. And the reader for that's not the one doing the main Malazan series. And he starts pronouncing a couple of words differently. Yeah. I and mean, that's just kind of technically on the publisher yeah. and the director of that as well, but it's still something that they should be aware of. Like, also, actually, the, Malazan is not how Erickson says to pronounce it, but the readers all read Malazan. Like, it's just easier. <laughs> how does he say pronounce it? Malazan. Oh, he's British, isn't he? Canadian. Oh, okay. I thought he was British. Close enough. But it's like... Well, it depends on which part of Canada. But. I think I actually yeah. read that the uh, the readers for those didn't get any pronunciation tips from Erickson. Mm. It's like, that's just going to be a problem. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, There's I definitely a... had that issue. I was... Because the first, however many, through what... The next to last Dresden book I did on audio... I was reading through one. I'm like, the fuck is this word? It's like Lenanchi or something. Like, it took me probably like a good 30 seconds to figure out what that word was. <laughs> it, what's interesting about the, the Dresden audiobooks is that at one point, in the same book, a character changes accent. In Proven Guilty, Harry gets a, a letter from Rashid. And when he's reading the letter in the beginning of the book, Rashid has an Indian accent. At the end of the book, when Rashid comes in person, he has like the slightly British Arabic accent that he has normally. So why the change? <laughs> well, maybe it, maybe book? it was maybe it was intentional. Maybe Dresden read it that way, but he didn't actually have it. Sort of a subtle. <laughs> maybe Dresden just thinks he's got an Indian accent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he knows Rashid. He met him before this point. It's like very strange, but okay. We talk about, have we talked about magic systems yet? Not really. All right. Let's go to magic systems and inconsistencies. I was going to say with like, like Harry Potter, it seems like oh. every time people have duels, you don't really see a lot of the spells you think people would start throwing around. Like, like? Not, the Expelliarmus does not get used. Like, why all the Death Leaders and stuff just go for like these big flashy spark spells when just disarm the stupid teenagers and then kill them? Because like it's only JK the kids Rowling at Hogwarts and... are using a disarming spell, which seems like pretty key to dueling. Yeah, you'd think so. And why aren't like why aren't the Death Eaters just not throwing about a cadaver everywhere? Yeah, they don't care. Like you're dead, you're dead. <laughs> Instead, they're just like throwing sparks around. Like just kill them. You're evil. That's what you're <laughs> supposed to do. Or at least something that's more disability or debilitating yeah that's weird. um one of my favorite thoughts of inconsistencies is uh this little bit that cast of game of thrones had is the the actor for sam was getting talked at by someone it's like why are you still fat i mean like you're running around in really terrible conditions and not whole, enough food you've stayed the same weight and you should be losing a ton and the actor's response is like we have dragons and magic shadow beasts being born out of women and all that crap. Why do you care? Because it's all still that magical internally stuff? consistent. Yeah. 
Why do you care about all the magic stuff that someone's like, weight hasn't changed? How long was the Great Ranging? Wasn't it like months? Oh, yeah, it was months. So he should have lost a lot of weight. Oh, yeah. Especially with like, all the cold and the hiking and the lack of food and all of that. It, it was bad. Uh, but the fact that Sam hasn't lost weight is basically breaking the rules of thermodynamics, which dragons don't actually break. I don't think so, at least. And nor did wow. I think that the whole shadow Bye. monster thing that Melisandre gave birth to, because there's still like this <laughs> transferring of energy that happened, and he's just making fat out of nowhere. <laughs> right. Well, the dragons could break some laws of physics, but this Maybe. also assumes that wherever Westeros is has the same laws of physics that our planet has. I mean, laws of physics are, are should be universal, but like. The oh. aspects of physics, like how heavy are their bones or how dense is the like, air and We can flying. assume that the world is capable of supporting dragons in some way. Yeah. But, but there's no that. explanation for why a person doesn't lose weight. Yeah. Now, in the book, is it something that's just not talked about? or He's just always fat. Um, yeah, I don't think in the book they described him losing weight either, but I... I'm sure that once he got back towards civilization, he'd end up putting anything back on. Dude loves food. Well, yeah, but he lives at Castle Black. There's not much food there. Well, until he goes off to the Citadel. True. But that's been like several years. He should probably yeah. slim down a little. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like... It could be a small thing of a character's size, but if you show a tiny person eating a ton, they're going to gain weight because thermodynamics. And if you show... A fat person. That affects like maybe enough uh, calories of like a snack. Well, that's like a granola G- bar. That's just like that. Always something. Something that always bothers me about TV shows. You'll see these people like eating and drinking a ton, and they're all still like super fit and cut. I'm like, no, <laughs> you drink that much alcohol, you're not gonna be that cut. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's the thing in the, the Lisbeth Salander books, like she's like really small and she eats a ton of crap food, but then she never gains weight because it's high like, metabolism. Like the Gilmore girls. <laughs> like that, that show, you're like those girls eat terribly, but they're still rail thin and hot. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. I find it funny because like George R. R. Martin does take King Robert, big warrior settles down and plops himself on a throne every day. And he gets fat because he's not doing anything anymore. And he's eating a ton, and he's, he's drinking a, lot, a ton, drinking a and yeah, he got fat, he got and they fat, made fun of it. That makes sense, because that's what happens when you <laughs> Sam needs to lose Sam. weight. Damn Sam it. Needs to lose. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It's just... Yeah. Tell um, me how you really away from, Alex. Away from thermodynamics. So, let's, let's what, like, ma- what magic systems bother you? Since we did start on that. On, on who? Bother who? You guys, do you have any magic systems that annoy you? Okay. Uh, no, like, there's, like, well, if you want to, like, hit on Harry Potter, there's, like, there's, it's not really a system, right? It's just there. It very much is a, hmm, we need this spell to work at this point, so it's there. Are the words, like, a phonetic, just aid? Do those specific words make this magic happen? Like, yeah, they're all fairly Latin types of words. So are Japanese people forced to speak Latin, too, in order to get the magic going? Like, they showed the 
at the the Quidditch World Cup and all of those people and their different ethnicities, are they all saying the same Latin words? Like, are the words themselves key to the spell? I just like that. It seems, at least in Harry Potter, it seems that way. Like, why would... I mean, that's not... I guess I don't want J.K. Rowling to have to explain why a magic system exists in the first place, but... (laughs) (laughs) At some point, you know, you got to think through the consequences of these things. But, like, I also dislike that in Aragon, because uh, you just needed to know the special magic word for a thing in order to be able to control it. It's like, does everyone need to speak the same language then? That is kind of weird. I like, like, well... The Kingkiller Chronicles, like the name of the wind, it's not a, a word, it's like a magical concept. That made more sense to me. But if like you, the wheel of time, you're like literally spinning threads of energy to do things. That works. Yeah. And if you just want to go steal one, just go pick up a player's handbook for D and D and you're set. Because <laughs> it's a pretty well balanced <laughs> eh. Gotta be balanced. What about Lord okay. of the Rings and Lord of the Rings magic? I only know what I saw in the movies. That was more el- like elemental in things magic. Well, except for the wizards, obviously. Also, doesn't seem to get used all that much. Right. In there's, I don't know. There's no real like command words. It's just it, it feels more like energy coming from somebody. I mean, I've read enough things that say Lord of the Rings is supposed to be about Christianity and Catholicism. So, like the the magic is supposed to be miraculous and you know godlike. <laughs> So you can't use it very often. And you do have, you know, demons and stuff show up, so. Yeah. Good parallel. And, like, Gandalf is supposed to be Jesus, I think? Well, I don't Gandalf, know. Pe- Gandalf dies and comes back whiter. Yeah. Ooh, say that again and go on Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> well, he goes from gray to white. Yeah. There was a... <laughs> It was a great thing I saw online. Is like someone was bitching about Tumblr in the comments. It was just like, well, your first problem is you are on Tumblr. Yeah. Still, sometimes it's just fun to, to poke them and laugh. Um, Tumblr in action. Oh, I love that subreddit. <laughs> yeah. And I just I dislike when systems aren't thought out as well as they should be. It's a little bit hard to, to pull into them bring to mind but if they say <laughs> this thing happens and that thing is a thing but like wait how does that affect everything else and they just don't account for it because they've decided to keep it very narrow that's one of the things i liked in the end of uh wheel of time once sanderson got his hands on it he started thinking of more practical uses of magic like a guy who like you can open a gateway right and walk from one point to the other so one guy started opening gateways into a volcano as a way of using it as a weapon. Because why not, if you can do that? Yeah, and honestly, portals are a really big thing that can get used way too much. All right, you want to talk about romance and things about romances that might make you stop reading or just rail at the world? I've already done it, but the surprise child, I hate it. I just fucking hate it. I can't. <laughs> like, when, because I was waiting for it, going through Dresden Files, you know, he hooks up with Susan and Death Mask, and I'm like, they're going to give him a fucking child, aren't they? Like, hey, seven books exactly. later. 
that was the, the, the reasoning. And he didn't see any word of birth control or condoms or anything. So, of course, that's going to happen. Well, but it's just like, this is going to happen. He's going to have a child with fucking with Susan. I'm like, great. I'm going to have to quit reading this now. <laughs> but he did it in a way that was good enough, like that wasn't terrible enough that it didn't overly like it. It obviously changed Dresden, but not in a way that was unbelievable or inconsistent with his character. It was like, but Harry was lacking a truly deep connection to things like threat to his person. And that could be true, but like, you know, when they did in like Gilmore Girls, it was like they just did oh, yeah. it. Nobody like that one. They just did it to <laughs> cause strife. I, I just hate it when people do, especially because it's almost always a child, and they're just like, "Hey, guess what? You have this great relationship now. We're gonna ruin it with a mystery child." Whoa! <laughs> and I just, God, it just pisses me off so bad. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I think the thing that same with Scrubs. It was just. When they did it in Scrubs, I was so pissed off at it. Scrubs lost a lot of its uh, allure later. It, hey, uh, what about Jim and Pam? But see, but that makes more sense though, because like you know they're married, and the kids really they, they were used more for like small plot points. Maybe that was quite important. Well, yes, <laughs> but they but they didn't really change the characters a lot, spot. you know. And, and, monologue at the wedding was just so great. Yeah, and they weren't uh, they weren't relationship breaking. They weren't there to like break mm-hmm. a relationship. They were there because that's what surprise happens. Babies are possibly good. <laughs> I'm a surprise baby. I think I'm good. <laughs> well, I mean that's we're talking about stories, and it's more like using yeah. children so, as weapons. That, that's that's yeah, my issue. Is you that, dislike. When a child is used to cause surprise conflict, like a surprise child out of, that just arrives in order to make an already good relationship terrible. Yeah, these people so are getting think, along too well. Right. Yeah, Maggie works because he wasn't with Susan. And, and as that he could said, be true. because Susan didn't tell him, they can never be a thing again, even though they're still in love with each other, which I love the That's heartbreak. A vampire. Part. Well, he can make the vampire anti-venom. It's like, why don't you do that? Tie him up. It still works. Come on. Molly had the right idea. Tie her up. I still don't like uh, Harry Potter romances. I just hate that everyone ended up with their high school sweetheart. Not one of them had a terrible divorce. Or... In the well, in I'm not talking about like the you oh, know, epilogue, epilogue or whatever, but like in the books, I thought they were good because they were so just whiny and narcissistic and like flailing teenagers. around like a limp fish like what's going on <laughs> which is what teenagers <laughs> do yeah yeah i thought book four was rather well like they have a ball to go to and now you have to like find a date and oh god that's terrible when you're a teenager like, what's her name uh the chinese girl cho chang cho she kind of just gets dropped like they liked each other oh well which, you know, that can be realistic. Well, he liked her. She kind of liked him. But he was with 
she was with the other guy, and then the guy died, and then she feels terrible for liking Harry because he survived. I thought that was well done. And then she just stopped being a thing when she graduated. Yeah, I mean, that's my issue. Like, Well, how often but, do you talk to people yeah. who graduate ahead of you? True. Was she ahead of him? Yeah, she was ahead of him by like a year or two. I mean, the mm-hmm. honest answer to that question is depends on how hot she was, but... <laughs> <laughs> By that point, I think he started having feelings for his best friend's little sister, which yeah, that gets weird. <laughs> that's right. just like, even if you both like each other, is probably just a no. Maybe don't do that. Well, it also depends. Like, you don't know where she went, right? You know? Yeah. And I, I, I thought the romances in Harry Potter were believable for them being teenagers. It doesn't mean they don't annoy me. Yeah. They're they, just believable. What annoyed me is, like, after the teenage part, when Everyone is still the same, apparently. So I guess I find it funny and semi-hypocritical that I'm still pissed Neville and Luna didn't end up together. (laughs) Even though that would just be... Yes, maybe they wouldn't end up. It just happens. Yeah. You're unhappy at the realism of their... uh, What do you guys think But when everything else is so not realistic at the end... It just feels like, well, if you went that deep into this, why didn't you just go all the way? Because she just really hates Neville. That's just all there is to it. <laughs> Poor Neville. Like, I feel bad for Neville. I still think he's got the most badass moment in the entire series. Yeah. That the movie robbed of its badassness. Mm. What do you think of love triangles and how much do you hate them? <laughs> it really, again, it really depends on why. Like, if it's just like, hey, we're going to kick. The main character is going to be really stupid for a night and hook up with somebody he shouldn't have, and it's going to cause problems because plot. And <laughs> just like, why? Wheel of Time has, like, first of all, Ben's got three girlfriends and wives. wives set up eventually, and it's just like, okay, they all are okay with this. That's just weird. But then eh? there's um Perrin and Fael, whatever her name is. And Barrelane keeps making moves on Perrin, and Perrin keeps saying no, and Fael keeps getting mad. It's like, the fuck do you want the guy to do? Punch the bitch? <laughs> like, he's denying her every which way, and she's still getting mad. Yeah. I, it's just, like, needless drama. Uh, one thing that Jordan didn't do well was women. Mm, tugs braid. Swish skirts. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I just remember, since I stopped reading it, my mom was telling me everything of the story, because I do that. I do that to Colin as well. Like, you have to tell me things that I, I want to know, but I don't want to read Wheel it. Wheel of Time is a very satisfying series that actually concludes pretty well. See, like a okay, bajillion books long but the in-between, I'm not sure I want to do that part, because <laughs> it seems... Because we spend way too many pages listening to Perrin and Fael argue about a woman who's trying to hit on them. It's just the women seem to be kind of really temperamental. Like, was it Elaine or Egwin or something? They learned of something that Rand was doing, and they, without thinking about it, not really, they got angry and says, no, I can't let that happen. So then she's, like, going against Rand, even though it's not a good thing, and she, like, didn't do enough thinking about it, and it just came off as, like, really bitchy and temperamental and stupid. And it's like, stop writing your women that way. Well, it's funny because you've got the... The male magic users go crazy. So you've got a world dominated magically by powerful women. And it's like every woman needs to be assertive to a fault. Mm. 
It's like he just decided he was going to have strong women, but every woman is boneheaded. Yeah. The, I mean, Moraine's the only woman who thinks before she acts. And even then, she's still... Some amount of this maybe is like, how old are they? They're still teenagers. Maybe they're just going to be dumb. But at the same time, and why are teenagers the ones saving the world? Because Randall Thor is the, re- the reincarnation of the savior of the world. But that's a weird trope. Like, why is <laughs> it like, oh, God, anime is terrible about this. Like, why is everyone important 15? Because that's 15. the target audience. Though, Randon, the Rand and Co. are like 17 or 18, and Nenev is like 21 or 25 or something like that. Which is the only reason her falling in love with Lan's not creepy. Because Lan <laughs> is like, like actually 30. Is he that young? Oh, it's like he's significantly older. Like he was like a yeah. professional dude. Yeah. But she's also a little older than the group, which when they're all from the same place kind of gets lost in translation. Mm. But yeah, you can't write women. So the the thing that seems to happen in YA is like, oh, there's a girl and then there's two different guys and there's like so different on the surface and they're all dumb. Yep. And it's like, will she, won't she, which one is he going to go for? I'm just going to put this person, out there. Team I'm person. Team Jacob. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never read a, I actually, I've read like a sentence because I picked it up in the store and looked at it and they were back down. But oh yeah and oh my god I mean that whole love story gets creepy very quickly she has a magically aged daughter who her former boyfriend falls in love with yeah what (laughs) it's just what (laughs) why I did like um, with uh, Fitz and Molly like okay so they they grew up together Hint of a romance, and Molly's like, "Yeah, you're just not the. That's I'm not gonna." Well, see, I thought that was kind of terrible. I mean, like heartbreaking type terrible. Like, mm. so they have a thing, they have a relationship in book two, and it seems to be going well. And then in book three, she chooses someone else. I who's like his best friend slash surrogate father slash. Yeah, that's what I don't get. Like, it's a little uh, old for her, but yeah, a bit. You know, if you're kind of talking about ages, a younger woman with an older man does happen significantly more often than an older woman and a younger man. Thank God for the new president of France. <laughs> yeah, that that is weird because, like, she has a child older than her husband. Um, I mean, it's sweet that it's love. I just, I think I've asked this before to people I know, but, like, at what point did that teacher-student relationship change? And how? <laughs> yeah. But still, whatever. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about weird relationships, probably the oddest one I saw in real life was a a girl woman who married the doctor who delivered her. Ooh, he, he's like thirty <laughs> years older than her. Then yeah, it was something At like least. Yeah. Oh, oh my Ooh. god! I can't even. I'm sorry, I'm not going to even You know, this is going to get me on to, to Dresden again, because people keep saying that Dresden needs to hand out or get up with Molly. It's like, because they're going to live forever. It's like, no. yeah, he feels weird about that she was a kid when he met her, and that's what he still thinks of her as. And she's his best friend's daughter. Yeah. Please like, don't. He seems to respect that 
sort of boundary other than like just, Harry Potter going after his best friend's sister. I would so much rather just stick with the cliche, get with Murphy, please. Murphy's not a cliche. No, but I mean his best friend and just okay, no. fall for her, clearly. Why not? Please don't look up with your Another daughter. thing in romances that bothers me is when they bring in another romantic partner just because it's not time for the main characters to get together yet. That's more of like a TV trope, but still, you see it all the time. We're like, okay, we know these characters are going to get together. We're going to have this side love for one or both of them. Karen. Or just the stupid, we got together and there's a misunderstanding, so we break up. Like, I always hated that. I always hate that trope, too. I kind of wanted to play with some things with romance. Like, once in a while, I kind of want to do it, but I I don't know. Maybe I'll just do... An urban fantasy paranormal romance at some point. Now that I have an urban <laughs> fantasy world to play with, your but, main uh, character should totally like get with an orc or something just for funsies. I was thinking more like, okay, these characters are trying to think of things rationally, and then like the dude's terrible, crazy ex girlfriend comes out. It's like, and the girl's like, I can't do this. I can't deal with this crazy, and she leaves. And the crazy ex girlfriend is just like going to be like the main antagonist for the story or something. And I just like wanted to play with that and see what I could do, but I haven't done enough of the work yet to see what would actually happen. One of my favorite TV romances has to be Elaine and Putty. They break up for the most absurd reasons, like the dumbest shit you can think of, and then get Seinfeld. Sorry. Oh. Oh. And then get back together, like for the most absurd, every, they break up and get back together constantly over the dumbest things. And that's that's the entire point. It's kind of like, yeah. um, oh man, uh, and oh, and Aziz's character in Parks and Rec oh, when they uh, date. Why am oh I blanking god. on this? Oh my god, what's his <laughs> something with a T? It's like Tom something. Tom. 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 Yeah. Tom. Yeah. 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 Like. Congratulations, New Riker. We've been together for 36 hours without breaking up. High five. <laughs> I stopped watching Parks and Rec when Anne got really dumb. Like, so she had a boyfriend and then she has another boyfriend. And then, like, the gimmick seemed to be anytime a guy pays attention to her, she wants to follow him and do stuff. It's like, I got really tired. Well, that, of that. They actually, I like, mean- deal with that later in the show like it's it is a plot point about how Anne does that in the show later on the show's mm-hmm. worth watching solely for leslie and everything she does and ron ron's amazing and ron and april the show's worth watching Indeed, it does manage to poke fun at things it did wrong before Yes, that could be good it's it a very self-aware awesome. show and that's what i think yeah. that's one reason why it works so well is it's just like Hey, remember that mistake we made? Well, we're going to poke fun at it now. Remember when we tried to be The Office? Just kidding, we're not. (laughs) Uh, Is there any gratuitous violence that you don't like? Well, not for me personally, but like I know a lot of people argue and get really offended by some amount of violence, especially if it's rape. Like, uh, just so uncomfortable. (laughs) Especially like a really graphic scene like that. You're just like, oh man, that's tough. Well, along with, like, the tropes of, like, everyone's got to be an orphan. It's like, every woman had to have been brutally raped in the past. 
Malazan falls victim to that towards the end of the series. Like it, the culture the woman was in is very well set. And when her husband gets murdered, they hobble her and then anyone can just walk over and bend her over. And he gets pretty graphic sometimes. And it's like, okay, so that is the culture she's been living in. We kind of already established that. But then you have to just, he goes there and it, it's, it is a little, a I mean, little excessive. It seems like, especially when people are trying to do the grim, dark thing, um, that like a lot of women are just going to get violently raped. And that's because it's a grim, dark setting. And, and maybe that's okay. Or it's like, it's part of the setting and the story and the genre. Um, but you just got to be careful with that. Right. Is it, some of it, it's it's done when it's overused, and some of it is people will stop reading if you get graphic, and some people will stop reading just because you had a nice sex scene in there instead of like bashing someone's head in with an axe. Like George R. R. Martin has a really good quote with this. Like he can describe battle with as, as much graphic detail as he ever wants, and people love it. But as soon as he describes a nipple, people stop reading and they send him hate mail. It's like how dare you? This was. Like it was so gross that, that something that's so much nicer and more enjoyable. Eh. Yeah, a... describe an axe entering a human skull in explicit detail. No one will blink twice. I provide a similar description, just as detailed of a penis entering a vagina, and I get letters and swearing people. Yeah. I think uh, I think it's the first episode of season eight in South Park, but it's uh, Good Times with Weapons, and that's the entire point of the episode is dealing with sex versus violence and how everyone's okay with violence and not sex. <laughs> yeah. Or I think American TV is prudish, but... Or American people in general. American people in general. Yeah. But, I mean, these prudes all... Because he used the word fuck too many times. Well, we do come by it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I surprisingly, I don't use cuss words as often as I thought I did in my writing. So when I was going through my sci-fi military things, like, no, these are military people. I need to add in the cuss words. And so I'm going to make sure to put one, like, on the front page or two. It's like, this is a fuck, okay? And, and you got to get used to this. Yeah, I definitely, because I'm uh, in Andromeda's Love and Reservations 8, it's much more of, like, an R-rated kind of thing. So I'm like, but I actually have to, like, force myself to put in curse words it's kind of weird i don't you use grew curse up really words religious ever well that too but like i fucking swear all the time i, just don't I think it. part of it is because so much of my i'm you know i spend so much time in like a very corporate culture because you know i work for a big company and so you really can't swear or you shouldn't swear all that much you know in in the workplace so like i i'm used to censoring myself it was but, so nice to like, I stopped censoring myself once I got out of high school and I get to college and the teachers are swearing as much as I was. Like, <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> and I still think with Malzan and how he has the world specific swearing, like blood and guts and whatever in real mm -hmm. time. And he's got hoods ball. I like particularly swearing on the gods nether regions because it makes so little sense people swear <laughs> yeah. on people swear on hoods the god of death so soldiers swear a lot on hoods balls That's but nice. then and he'll just drop the fuck every once in a while and it's just like fuck yeah yeah <laughs> like it's just so he doesn't use 
normal swear is often, but when he drops the fuck, it's just satisfying. Because it's familiar, and you because know it's, it. It's like, if you, I know people get prudish about swear words, but don't do what Sanderson does and make up new swear words oh, that don't make God. sense, like colors or storms. <laughs> like, storms, I can see because a storm sort of. is not a good thing. Colors? Except it is. The storms are good things. Well, high storms are very bad, but they're just very useful, kind of. It's like they work. They start out as bad things, and then they become good things. Maybe don't use it as your swear word because it's like powering your main character. And yes, colors. but you still don't want to be in a storm. <laughs> colors. Warbreaker is a very, very good, very entertaining book. But Warbreaker was great, but it's just not <laughs> a swear colors? word. And. <laughs> I gotta blame it on him being Mormon because Mormons yeah. are kind of prudish. Also, to bring up uh, what's it called that Silk and Steel book again, just to to go through a page like a paragraph by paragraph description of various body parts, and then you just get to the pubes. It just it was so jarring. The like he's pubes. so like esoteric words, and then you you're really pubes. using the word pubes. Like, word choice can be very important to yeah, not breaking immersion. Yeah, and... Let's keep on topic of ranting about things that don't work. <laughs> well, let's just kind of go back to the violence. Like, Joe Abercrombie is, like, the one that is known for Grimdark. I think his Twitter handle is Lord Grimdark. I still don't think... Uh, I've only read... What's the first book? Blade Itself? Uh, the first Blade. Yeah, no, the Blade Itself. Yeah. I still don't think it was as Grimdark as people made it out to be. No, I mean, there was... It's Glocka. good. Glocko's fantastic. <laughs> like, his I, introduction is, I'm going to hate this guy. And then, like, five pages later, I love this guy. I, yeah, he was a really fun character. Um, and just the fact that he was awesome, and now he's broken and disabled and ugly, and he's so bitter about it. And the, yeah. the one thing with that is, like, so he gave him the handicap of being very crippled. And it kind of ties the character's in the writing to making sure he's crippled and it just kind of get like, it's such an overwhelming handicap for the character that it's just overbearingly present in every scene. Yeah. I mean, you never ever forget that he is crippled. Like he has to walk up some stairs or worse down some stairs and it's terrible for him. And, and since he's a torturer, like he's doing to other people what was done to him. And it's it's really nice and dark, but like I just think it slows the story down a little too much sometimes. I thought the it was the book was very slow going. I think yeah. until I started reading it again, I and s- all of a sudden it made me laugh. It's like okay, I'll finish it. I and still it don't really just, know what. I've only read the blade itself. I do need to get back to that series because I enjoyed it and reread that book. I I just still don't really know where they're going. Well, apparently at the end of the first book, everyone's going to some other country. <laughs> oh, right, a, that big bad country. Yeah, it's like, okay, so some people in the north are going south, and the people who are in the south are going to another country. Like, the entire group of people, as partly as like one like traveling troop, and then Glockta's getting sent independently, but everyone's going to happen there. And But, you know, he's like the guy, Joe Abercrombie is like the one, the grim dark guy, and the violence. And, and I don't remember there being too much violence, but there's I just think like a. George R. R. Martin's a lot more gratuitous. Yeah, and I think is. that there's and more people that, that die and axes Erickson, going into yeah. heads. Erickson likes describing the bile and guts that spill out when someone is eviscerated. 
He does that a couple times gratuitously. Uh, but like, is it just us that like we don't seem to have a problem with violence? Because I know people will stop reading when it gets too much. Yeah, I'm not bothered. I mean, I'm Gordon. a horrible analyzer of these things because I've read like three books that I've actually actively disliked while reading. <laughs> like I will pretty much finish anything and really just kind of enjoy it. I just like reading. We also grew but, up on television, so we've all, we've all seen like twelve thousand murders or whatever that that statistic <laughs> is. Oh, the one, uh, the show Bones. Oh God, that got dumb. Bones is one of the few shows I've watched where the violence just feels deliberately gratuitous and annoying. Like sometimes they just show absolutely gross things, and it's just like okay. We're trying to some of the yeah, some of the Marvel Netflix shows are that way where you're just like, oh, yeah. like it's cringy to be cringy. Though, as much as I used to religiously watch NCIS, the need to always have Ducky with a opened up corpse on a table kind of got old. Yeah, you stop caring after a while, which, you know, is weird. Like the Venture Bros, completely different type of topic, but they have this character, Dr. Girlfriend. And then she becomes Dr. Wife or Dr. Fiance for a little bit right there. Um, and she's uh, probably based off of Jackie Kennedy because that's kind of what she wears a lot. It's like the oh. pink Chanel and she's beautiful. She's voiced by a man with like the uh, really rough down, like, low gravelly voice. <laughs> At one point they ask her, like, you, do you just eat cigarettes or something? Why do you have that voice? But after a while, you stop noticing the voice. Like this is just a woman character. You don't care. And it's amazing. It's I was going to say on the topic of violence and death in particular, you really stop caring about characters in Game of Thrones after a little while because it's, they're going to die. They're just going to die. And it's just like, like that's the one weird thing with Erickson is that he actually with such a massive array of characters that can come and go. Cause you know, soldiers die. You get very attached to characters very quickly. But, but with Martin, it's just like, okay, this character's in, whatever, he's going to die. Yeah. Like, that's what I found weird with um, Nimble Dick in Feast for Crows. On my reread, I really liked Nimble Dick. And I was very sad when he died. And I'm like, this is such an unusual reaction for me with a Martin book. <laughs> he made me care about this. It wasn't so much that I cared about Nimble Dick. It's just going in knowing the end already. I felt bad because Brienne treats him with he's Brienne, the character that leads Brienne in search of uh, Sansa, Sansa or, or whoever. Yeah. And she treats him with such mistrust and suspicion when you know already because you've read it that he's being completely honest that it just like the first time I was suspicious of Nimble Dick. What's he doing? And then he just gets killed because he was being honest and trying to help her. It's one of the few times when he's actually created a character that you feel bad for and get attached to very quickly. Interesting. Considering he, it's like Martin kind of shot himself in the foot with all the like surprise deaths. <laughs> Do we have any other things we need to rant about in this episode? Cause we've gone over time. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I think I'm good. And, we always end up ranting in our episodes anyway, so whatever True. we miss, we'll hit at some other point. Yeah, well, we'll do it all. It's just, I was busy writing, so I didn't get time to like put effort into this podcast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we went overtime. We're 
we're overachieving right now. That's right. Yay! <laughs> All right, so you can find me at at, a, at Jacob Ingles on Twitter, at Prairie Penguin on Instagram. Uh, we have new Patreon levels that Alex can talk about if she wants to. Yeah, uh, Broken so Jars at XYZ, have, et cetera, et cetera. We have, like, you can join us on Discord, and then you can join us on Discord even more because we have, like, podcast channels that you can get into if you pay more. We've got, like, stickers that are supposed to be coming out soon if you pay three bucks. Ooh. Uh, yeah. And if you pay $20 a month, you get to join us for, like, the post show, pre show chat. And laugh at us. Which there are times um, where the post and pre-show are as long as the episodes themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when we get controversial. Um, which is going to probably happen soon, I think. And then uh, we've got more coming, but we don't have enough of the plans in place in order to do it. So we got like, we're waiting for the stickers to show up first. Right. The stickers yeah. are cool. Uh, and if anyone is going to be at San Diego Comic-Con and wants to meet up with me, uh, just email us at brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com and yeah we'll go have a beer or something that'd be cool yeah also he'll have stickers there i will have <laughs> stickers there so if you find me and talk say talk about the network i'll give you stuff and check out the justin Faust podcast because if you're listening to this you probably like There's that one too uh yes. yes um i am a part of great scott where we are talking about the office from nbc and we are currently in season five. Uh, and, and if you want to hear more about my urban fantasy thing, I've been tweeting a lot about it. So you can follow me at Alex, build with an I, underscore Kelsey. And if you bring up the fact that it's Dresden Files, she will, it's attempt, not Dresden. She will attempt to stab you. And don't, don't mention uh, Doom of Damocles. Yes, I thought she was like... That was terrible. <laughs> so oh, I didn't know I got tweeted at. Yes. I tweeted it. I fucking shamed you for that. And I I think I ended up following you after that. But anyway, this is more post-show stuff. So y'all have a good whatever. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day if you're a mom. I have a Twitter. So y'all have a good one. Bye. (laughs) Bye, guys.